What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Maylari. So today, I'm going to break down with some of my best plays available heading into day two of the MLB draft. We're drafted. After that, I'll talk about players available heading into day three that are my best players, especially value-wise, heading into today. Uh, day three starts today at 2 o'clock with rounds 11 through 20 on MLB.com. And then at the end, I will preview tonight's MLB All-Star game and also break down the starting lineups. Uh, so to start things off, we're the best players. Uh, we're drafted heading into day two. My best players available: Tristan Vreeling, a six foot four, two hundred pound right-handed pitcher, twenty-one year old out of Gonzaga, was a number seventy-one prospect on MLB Network. Fell to the Yankees at hundredth overall in the third round. So good value taken at one hundred overall. He was a seventy-first prospect on MLB Network. So another Yankee pick who played in the Cape Cod Baseball League. Their first five picks all played in the Cape Cod Baseball League. Uh, starting off with Spencer Jones, who was actually their first round pick on Sunday, the twenty-fifth pick overall. Uh, Jones is an outfielder who played for Vanderbilt in college. Hit 370 this past season at Vanderbilt with 12 home runs, 60 runs batted in, a 460 on base percentage with a 1103 OPS, 62 runs scored in 61 games, also 21 doubles and a 460 on base percentage. So, had a great year for Vanderbilt. He also played in the Cape Cod Baseball League in 2021 for the champions, the Brewster Whitecaps, which I've talked about them a few times now. In 25 games, he had three home runs, 18 RBIs, six stolen bases, four doubles, a 312 batting average, and a 424 on base percentage for that. Uh, Brewster Whitecaps team last year. Uh, so now it takes me to Tristan Vreeling. I got a little sidetracked there. but uh, So Tristan Vreeling, another guy that played in the Cape Cod Baseball League, another Yankees draft pick that did play in the Cape Cod Baseball League. Vreeling appeared in seven games last year, starting in two of them for Bourne in the Cape Cod Baseball League. He was 2-0 and with the 104 ERA, along with just two earned runs and seven hits in 17 of third innings pitched, with 21 strikeouts to seven walks, had a 10.9 strikeout per nine inning rate, and also three strikeouts per walk ratio there. So that's another great uh, stat there for him. In 2022, is a junior for Gonzaga, his first full year as a starter on the mound. He had a 4-4 and record in 15 starts with a 4.91 ERA, along with 44 earned runs and 80 and two-thirds innings pitched, 107 strikeouts to 46 walks, a 1-5 whip, 11.9 strikeouts per nine innings pitched, and 2-3-3 strikeouts for every walk. His fastball does get up to 96, stays mid to upper 90, stays around the 93 to 95 range, but can get up to 96, which is impressive. So very good draft pick there for the Yankees, especially at 100th overall. Then the next guy... Brock Porter, number 11 overall prospect in the MLB.com, top 250 prospects of the draft, was selected with the third pick of the fourth round, being selected by the Texas Rangers at 109 overall. If Brock Porter were to end up signing with Texas, then have not only have Jack Leiter, who is last year's number two overall pick in the draft out of Vanderbilt, Kumar Rocker, who is this year's third overall pick from Vanderbilt, and then also Brock Porter, the best high school pitcher in the draft, regarded by many scouts, and their pitching staff of the minors would probably be one of the best in the major leagues if they were to have Brock Porter sign. Obviously, at 109 overall, there's a reason he fell all the way down to 109 when he was the number 11 overall prospect and number one pitcher in high school. Has to do with a signability issue, I'd imagine. Maybe it's because he's a hard commit to Clemson. That could play a role in it. Um, one thing about the Rangers is that they did not have uh, draft pick on day one besides Kumar Rocker. They did not have a second or third round pick. And that has to do with them signing Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. Uh, they took Kumar Rocker at three and then Porter at 109. And that was their first two picks of the draft. 
Uh, the Rangers actually signed Kumar Rocket to a two and a half million dollar deal less than his slot value at the third overall selection. Since they only have a bonus pool of nine point six million, they tried to save money, I guess, and maybe sign Porta at one hundred four. Um, my guess, though, is that he's going to Clemson as a hard commit there, and that's the reason why his draft stock dropped. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, Porter is six foot four, two hundred eighty pounds, nineteen year old right handed pitcher who pitched for St. Mary's Prep of Orchard Lake High in Michigan. Committed to Clemson in his high school career, he's absolutely dominant. In two years, he never lost a game, was 21-0 in 22 appearances with a .52 ERA, 241 strikeouts to 42 walks, 35 hits allowed in just nine earned runs in 121 innings pitched, average around two strikeouts per inning, which is unreal. And then you look at it as a senior in 2022, 10 appearances, was 9-0 with a .36 ERA in 58 two-thirds innings pitched. He allowed just four runs, three of those being earned with 115 strikeouts to 25 walks, allowing nine hits and also holding opponents to a .050 batting average. Absolutely ridiculous in high school. So I imagine there's a reason he fell and it probably has to do with the signability. Uh, also did just get Tommy John surgery, but there were a lot of prospects before that have gone Tommy John surgery that are highly touted like him that still get drafted in the first round. Um, but we'll see where he ends up going from here. Maybe he just goes to Clemson and that's why he fell to 104, but, or 109, excuse me, but. Regardless, quite the two first picks for that Texas Rangers team, getting Kumar Rocker and Brock Porter. As I said, Brock Porter was the best high school pitching player in this draft, the best high school pitching prospect. And then you look at it, Kumar Rock had a great career at Vanderbilt and also pitched very well in the Independent League this year. So the Texas Rangers definitely are making moves in trying to fix their pitching woes that they've had over the past three or four years now. Uh, but one thing about Porter, though, is coming off Tommy John surgery, as I said, also a Clemson commit. Maybe that has to do with the reason he has not gotten drafted. So I'd imagine signability was a reason he fell down to the fourth round. But regardless, quite the draft by the Texas Rangers within their first two picks. They only had, as I said, a first and a fourth pick, fourth round pick in their first two since they didn't have a second round pick or a third round pick due to signing Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon in the offseason. But, I mean, it works out. If they were to end up signing Porta, that's an absolute steal, especially at 109 overall. As you've seen, you know, with his high school stats, in two years, never lost a game, was 21-0 in 22 games with a .52 ERA, 241 strikeouts or 42 walks, and allowed just nine earned runs and 121 innings pitched. Absolutely ridiculous. So uh, hopefully he ends up signing with them to help their farm system, but I would not be surprised if he ends up going to Clemson. So the next guy I'm going to talk about is Luke Gold, a six foot, two hundred twenty pound, twenty one year old second baseman from Boston College. I had the pleasure of watching him play a ton at BC this past year. Such a great talent. It was honestly the most consistent player on that Eagles team over the last few years. And despite all the losses and the tough games that they've had, he was one of the only bright spots, consistent bright spots for Mike Gambino's Eagles baseball team. So congratulations to him again drafted. He was actually the number eighty seven overall prospect. On MLB Network's top 250 prospects in the draft, he ended up falling, though, to the fifth round and taken at 147 overall by the Detroit Tigers. As a junior at Boston College in 2022, in 53 games, he hit 309 with a 401 on base percentage, had a 958 OPS, 9 home runs, and 37 RBIs. Also has a very good arm, but his ability to hit for average is probably his best feature, and I'm sure he'll only get better in the minor leagues, but hopefully he has a great career with the Detroit Tigers. Very excited for him to be selected, and I'm happy a Boston College Eagle was taken in the draft, especially in the top 10 rounds. That's always an accomplishment in its own. Cam Schlittler, another Boston baseball player, 
playing at Northeastern, so just across town from BC. A six foot six right-handed pitcher from Northeast has great stuff. 220th overall selection by the New York Yankees in the seventh round. Another Yankees draft pick that played in the Cape Cod Baseball League. As I said, all five of their first draft picks all played in the Cape Cod Baseball League. One thing about Schlittler in his sophomore year at Northeastern in 2021, he was 8-1 on the mound in 13 games with 16 earned runs and 76 and two-thirds innings pitched, 85 strikeouts to 20 walks, 10 strikeouts per nine innings pitched, and 4.25 strikeouts for every walk, which is elite. This past year at Northeastern in 2022, he was 5-8. and eight. As I said yesterday, there was not much run support for him, which is the reason he was 5-8 and eight in 15 starts. 35 earned runs and 91 and two-thirds innings pitched. 85 strikeouts to 32 walks. Had a 1-1-8-9 whip and 8.3 strikeouts for every nine innings pitched. And also a 2.66 strikeout-to-walk ratio. Uh, has a great arm. His fastball stays around 92 to 93, can get up to 95. Has a good changeup, a great curveball, and a nice slider as well that he mixes in. So four pitches there in his pitching uh, repertoire. And then you look at it, he did pitch very well at Northeastern, did struggle a little in Highwich in the Cape League. As I said, the Yankees did take first their first five picks, all were Cape Cod Baseball League players, so they value that heavily. But his pitching stats at Northeastern definitely back him up, even though he struggled in Highwich. His career at Northeastern, he was 14-9 on the mound, the 2.62 ERA with the 3.33 strikes-to-walk ratio and also 8.9 strikeouts per nine innings pitched at Northeastern. He was probably the most consistent player on Northeastern's pitching staff this past year. He's definitely up there with Eric Yost and Jordy Allard for the top two right there. Wyatt Scotty as well was very consistent with Northeastern. Similar to Luke Gold, Luke Gold was the most consistent hitter with Travis Honeyman for BC this past year. Cam Schlittler was one of the most important and one of the most consistent pitches for Northeastern this past season, so... It's very exciting to see Luke Gold go in the fifth round and then Cam Schlittler in the seventh. Obviously, both of those guys being top 10 round draft picks, that's an accomplishment of its own for BC and Northeastern. And seeing both of those guys now go to the minor leagues and hopefully have success, it's great for Northeastern and BC's programs to show that you can go to either one of these schools and still make it to the minor leagues and still get drafted. Uh, so very exciting for them. Schlittler has great breaking stuff, as I said. I saw him pitch a ton at Northeastern. He's one of the most consistent players, one of the most consistent players over the last few years. Obviously, the 5-8 and eight record wasn't great, but he didn't have much run support over those games. Northeastern really didn't have enough power this past year as they did in years past uh, since they played a lot of small ball, uh, but still got the job done. I mean, they still had a good year. Um, Schuttler definitely adds to that Yankees farm system. He definitely will get only stronger. He's 6'6 with a big frame, throws already mid-90s, gets up to 95, as I said. So that Yankees farm system continues to grow and only get better by adding a guy like Cam Schuttler into the mix. Schuttler had a 3-4-4 ERA this past year, so not as good as his 1-3-2 and 1-8-8 from his freshman and sophomore year seasons. But he still definitely can get back to those numbers. 344 still is a good ERA. As I said, Wyatt Scotty, Jordy Allard, and Eric Yost all had better ERAs over the year. But I think at the end of the day, if you look at it, one thing with Schuttler is that whenever you needed a big game or a big start, he could always provide that for you. Same thing with Eric Yost, Wyatt Scotty, both of them had great ERAs too. And then Jordy Allard out of the pen was great. But it was great watching Schlittler play at Northeastern, and I'm sure he's going to do big things for that Yankees team and that Yankee farm system. So congratulations to him on getting drafted and being a New York Yankee. He actually became the fifth New York Yankee draft pick of their first seven picks to be a pitcher, so clearly they're addressing their farm system and their pitching needs. Uh, but anyways, the next guy I'm going to talk about is Bryce Hubbard, six foot one, 181-pound left-handed pitcher of Florida State. 21 years old, taken in the third round by the Cincinnati Reds at 94 overall. Ends up becoming a stale in day two, as I said yesterday, going into day two. 
that he would end up becoming a stale no matter where he was taken on day two. He was number 72 in the top 250 draft prospects by MLB.com. At the Cape, he was 3-1 at six appearances for the champions. The Brewster Whitecaps last summer with a .87 ERA. Three earned runs at 14 hits allowed in 31 innings pitched. Struck out 45 batters while walking just eight. Had a .71 whip. Was tied with Trey Dombrowski, who I'm going to talk about in a second. Dombrowski also got drafted. Uh, but he was tied with Dombrowski for the most strikeouts in the Cape Cod Baseball League last summer with 45. He averaged 13.9 strikeouts per nine innings pitch and had a 5.63 strike-to-walk ratio, uh, which is elite. In his career at Florida State, Hubbard was 14-9 on the mound with a 3.71 ERA, 64 earned runs and 129 hits allowed in 155 and a third innings pitched. He also had a 203 strikeout to 58 walk ratio, 11.8 strikeouts per nine innings pitched, and three and a half strikeouts for every walk as seen by the 203 strikeouts of 58 walks. His fastball gets up to 97, has elite spin rates in all of his pitches and all of his pitch selections, so... Quite the steal by the Cincinnati Reds getting him in the third round since he could have been selected in the second round of the draft easily, uh, but ends up falling to the third round to the Cincinnati Reds, so that's a great draft pick by them. The next guy that I talked about yesterday was Jonathan Cannon, a six foot six, 213-pound, 21-year-old right-handed pitcher from Georgia, number 60 on MLB Network's top 250 draft prospects. He was taken with the 101st overall selection in the third round by the Chicago White Sox. He was quite the steal on day two. Chicago's getting a kid with a great fastball that stays in the middle of 90s, uh, up to 96. Big frame and will only add a few ticks to his fastball the more he develops. Has a good slider, a nice cutter, and also a solid changeup as well. Pitched in the Cape League last summer in 2021 for the Orleans Firebirds. Had a .69 ERA in three appearances. Allowed just one earned run at 13 innings pitched. With nine hits allowed, eight strikeouts to three walks. As a junior for the Georgia Bulldogs this past year, had a 9-4 record in 13 appearances. A 4.02 ERA with 35 earned runs and 78 in third innings pitched. 67 hits allowed with 68 strikeouts of 12 walks had a 1009 whip so as you can see by his stats how much of a steal he is at 101st overall he could have been a second round pick especially with how great of a player he is and all of his stats how well he performed in the cape cod baseball leagues i said the yankees value that heavily if their first five picks were all cape cod baseball league players uh but anyways him being a draft pick at 101 is quite the steal by the chicago white Sox team and i'm sure he's going to be a great player in the future for them the last guy I'm going to talk about is Trey Dombrowski, 6'5", 235-pound left-handed pitcher from Monmouth University, 21-year-old draft prospect, 111 in the top 250 draft prospects on MLB.com. He was selected in the fourth round at 133 overall by the Houston Astros, for another steal in day two, in my opinion. His fastball gets up to 91, uh, stays around 87 to 90, gets to 91. Uh, but his ability to be accurate with his off-speed pitches is what really is special. He had a 70 out of 80 control tool, which is absolutely nuts. Shined heavily in the Cape Cod Baseball League in 2021. Actually won pitcher of the year for the Cape Cod League. He led the league in strikeouts with 45, had the best ERA in the league with a .85 ERA, had a three no record at six appearances, allowing just three earned runs and 31 and two-thirds innings pitched, while striking out 45 batters and walking just two, and also had a .916 whip. So the Houston Astros getting quite the amount of value with him being the 133rd overall selection, especially considering how well he pitched in the Cape Cod Baseball League. As I said, one Cape Cod Baseball League pitcher of the year. It was just shut down every inning that he pitched. Had a .85 ERA, 3-0 record. I think the most impressive stat of his was 45 strikeouts to two walks 
in the Cape Cod Baseball League and also had a .916 whip, was just dominant down there in the Cape League, and that definitely helped his draft stock. So that concludes all of my best available players heading into day two of the draft and where they were selected in day two. And now I'm going to talk about the best available players heading into day three, which is today at 2 o'clock, rounds 11 through 20 on MLB.com, starting at 2 o'clock, as I said. Tristan Smith, a six foot two, 200-pound, 19-year-old left-handed pitcher from Boiling Springs High School, has a great slider, great changeup. Fastball can get up to 96 with movement, has great movement off his off-speed pitches. Uh, he was actually the South Carolina Gatorade Player of the Year, pitching for Boiling Springs High School in South Carolina. Hit very well this past year as well, but he'll only be a pitcher in college if he chooses to go to college. He's currently committed to Clemson. I'm surprised to see him last all the way now to day three since he was the number 46 over a prospect on the top 250 prospects by MLB.com heading into the draft. But it must be a signability issue. It must be a hard Clemson commit, and that's the reason he fell to day three. The next guy is Sam Horn, six foot four, 200-pound, 18-year-old right-handed pitcher from Collins Hill High in Georgia. Committed to Missouri for baseball and football. He's actually a four-star football recruit. He's the number 76 overall draft prospect by MLB.com. But he's committed to play football at Missouri. Uh, he actually committed this past year. Could potentially skip college baseball if he gets a good enough signing bonus and ends up going to play professional baseball. If he were to be drafted in the first round or the second round, that's a hard decision to make if he wants to go play football and baseball in college. You can't do both. You can't play college baseball, college football, and also play minor league baseball at the same time, obviously. So if you were to have gotten drafted in day one or day two, high drafted, day, highly drafted in day two, he would have had a very hard decision to make. But with him going now into day three, I'd imagine he's fully committed to playing football and baseball in college, and that's the reason he hasn't been drafted to this point. But if he were to have been drafted in day one, he could have got a high enough signing bonus where he would have skipped college baseball, college football in general, and played minor league baseball. But anyways, now he's going to be going to Missouri, I'd imagine, no matter where he's drafted today. As a junior in high school, he had 41 touchdowns to 14 interceptions, threw 3,900 passing yards, had a 65.4% completion percentage in 15 games, also rushed for 621 yards in seven touchdowns, and had a 100.3 quarterback rating. Then as a senior, had 37 touchdowns to 10 interceptions with 3,986 passing yards, had a 70.2% completion percentage, also had a 112.2 quarterback rating, and also caught a touchdown too this past year. Uh, he did tear his meniscus, though, late in the season, in the fall, I believe. Uh, so maybe that could be a reason he were to fall, but I'd imagine it's because he's committed to Missouri for baseball and football, and that's the reason no one wants to draft him, especially a day one pick or day two pick. Uh, in high school, he was a right-handed pitcher and a shortstop. His fastball can get up to 95 miles an hour. Has great depth on his upper 70s, lower 80s curveball. Can play um, as well on the field. The issue with him, though, is that he's more focused on football, which could be the reason he ends up falling in the draft, and that's the reason he's not drafted, as I said. Uh, but was very good as a right-handed pitcher and a shortstop in uh, high school baseball. Could hit, too. But I'd imagine his commitment to Missouri, being a four-star recruit for football, and then also committing to play baseball there, is a reason he's fallen this far. So I don't think it's really a signability issue with money. I think it's just he's a very hard commit to go to Missouri for both football and baseball. And no matter where he was drafted, he may have just ended up going to play in college anyway. So I'm sure scouts knew about that beforehand. The next player is Malcolm Moore, six foot two, 210-pound, 18-year-old catcher from McClathy High in uh, California. 
He hits very well for power and for average. He actually has a 55 hit tool and a 55 power tool. He's committed to play for Stanford, so he may stay in his home state and avoid the draft, uh, avoid signing with whatever team drafts him in the draft. He's the number 57 prospect in MLB.com's top 250 draft prospects, which I've been going to a ton here for a lot of the top prospects that are left. Uh, seeing a lot of these guys be top 50, top 60 prospects and not being drafted yet, you'd have to think it's a signability issue here for Malcolm Moore as well. He was unrailing all four of his years of high school baseball as a Freshman in 2019 in California. In 31 games, he had 417 with three home runs, nine doubles, eight triples, 35 runs batted in. Also at 37 runs scored, one still on base, 11 strikeouts to 12 walks. So he only struck out 11 times as a freshman, walked more times than he struck out, walked 12 times, struck out 11, had a 496 OBP, and also a 1267 OPS. Then as a sophomore in 2020, in only five games before COVID ended the season, he had 429 with four home runs in just five games with six RBIs, a one three five seven slugging percentage and a 1913 OPS. Then in as a junior in 2021, in 23 games, he hit 535 with 46 runs scored, seven home runs, 55 RBIs, 14 doubles, seven triples, a 630 on base percentage, a one two two five slugging percentage, and a one eight five five OPS and seven stolen bases. Then as a senior this past year in 2022 in 34 games. Then as a senior this past year in 2022 in 34 games, he had 500 with 51 RBIs, 13 home runs, 15 doubles, 2 triples, 49 runs scored, a 627 on base percentage with a 1117 slugging percentage, a 1744 OPS, 7 stolen bases and a 99.6% fielding percentage behind the plate with one error. As a career in high school in all four years, he caught seven of nine stolen base attempts, also hit 476 with 27 home runs, 147 RBIs, 136 runs scored, 39 doubles, 17 triples to go along with a 584 on base percentage and a 1620 OPS. So very impressive career for him in high school. It's hard to imagine he wouldn't have been drafted higher if he was a HUD commit to playing professional baseball, but it seems like he's going to play in college at Stanford. He probably would have been a day one pick. Let's say if scouts knew he wasn't fully committed to playing at Stanford, he probably would have been a day one pick. But if he's a hard commit to Stanford, not many scouts are going to say, let's just draft him anyways in the first round or the second round, since some guys would rather go to college and play there and develop for a few years before going to play in the minor leagues. So I'd imagine he's a full commit to Stanford, and that's a reason he's lasted this far into the draft, and that's why he's available in day three. So I got four more guys to talk about. Cam Smith is the fourth to last one, six foot three, two hundred fifteen pound, nineteen year old third baseman from Palm Beach, Central Florida. Uh, he's the number 84 overall draft prospect, but believed to not to be drafted since he's a HUD commit to Florida State. In 19 games a senior in high school in 2022, he hit 524 with 28 runs batted in, 11 doubles, 2 triples, 5 home runs, a 627 on base percentage, a 1000 slugging percentage, and a 1627 OPS. 19 walks to 6 strikeouts and 63 at-bats and 83 plate appearances. 32 runs scored and 4 stolen bases. Then you look at it as a, as a junior in 2021 in 26 games. He had 427 with 2 home runs, 10 doubles, 17 RBIs, 23 runs batted in, a 495 OBP, and a 1102 OPS. So as you can see, this kid gets on base, has such great offensive abilities, but I'd imagine he's fallen this far in the draft since he's a hard commit to Florida State and no draft uh, prospect get, really gets taken. When they're hard commit, not many prospects are taken early in the draft since scouts wouldn't want to draft a guy that's a hard commit to a team like Florida State since it's kind of a waste of draft pick if you know no matter where they're drafted, they're going to be going to college. So I'd imagine he's following this far since he's committed heavily to Florida State. 
The next guy, Sebastian Keen, a six foot three, one hundred eighty seven pound right handed pitcher, a twenty one year old out of Northeastern, was actually drafted by the Red Sox out of North Andover High in the eleventh round in twenty nineteen, coming out of high school. As a freshman in twenty twenty at Northeastern, he had a three and one record with a four five ERA and twenty innings pitched. He allowed ten earned runs, had a twenty four strikeout to six walk ratio, so four strikeouts to every walk, and a one point three whip. Then as a sophomore in twenty twenty one, a six and one record with a four oh nine ERA, seventy innings pitched. He allowed 32 earned runs, 73 strikeouts to 20 walks. He pitched in the Cape Cod Baseball League in 2021 for the Chatham A's. In seven games, was 0-1-1 with a 3-8-6 ERA. Nine earned runs at 21 innings pitched. 25 strikeouts to seven walks. Did allow 26 hits in 21 innings pitched. And had a 1-5-7-1 whip. But the thing with Keen, though, is that he, his fastball can get up to 93 to 95. I think he tops around 96, but stays around 93 to 95. So his fastball has a lot of life on it, and I think he's going to develop heavily in the minor leagues wherever he's drafted, especially being a day three pick. He's going to be an absolute stale. But who knows, if he's drafted day three and he wants to go back to Northeastern and try to be a day one or day two pick, that's a potential possibility as well. But as, as of now, I'd imagine he's drafted day three, probably high in day three, and ends up going to play in the minor league system wherever he's drafted. The next prospect is Gavin Keewen, a 5'11", 184-pound, 18-year-old shortstop from Milton High School in Wisconsin. He's the number 100 overall prospect in the draft by MLB.com. He's a Louisville commit, which may be the reason he's not drafted as now. It could be a side and ability issue like some of the other guys, and he's a hard commit maybe to Louisville. He's a great contact hitter with a hit tool of 55 of 80. Has a great glove as well. Not as much power as some of the other high school prospects, but has a great hit for average. Is a good glove at shortstop as well. He actually won the D1 state title for Milton this past year in Wisconsin. So, very great player. Helped that team win a championship. Only 18 years old. It's only going to develop more. But as of now, I'd imagine he's going to play for Louisville in college that's a reason he hasn't been drafted as of now. The last guy I'm going to talk about is Max Skeeg, six foot five, two hundred twenty pound, twenty one year old right handed pitcher from Boston College. One of BC's best pitchers this past year as a junior at BC this past season. Had a four and two record in fifteen appearances, seven starts in those fifteen games. Had a two seven eight ERA with twenty six strikeouts and nineteen walks and twenty two and two thirds innings pitched. Seven earned runs in those twenty two and two thirds innings pitched. With a 10.3 strikeout per nine inning ratio, which is very good. He actually played in the Cape Cod Baseball League in 2021 for Katuit. He was 1-0 with seven appearances with a 1-5 ERA. Three earned runs, had a 16 strikeout to nine uh, based on ball ratio. Allowed 14 hits and 18 innings pitched and also had a 1-2-7-8 whip. Played for Katuit yet again this summer. Was 1-1 in eight appearances out of the bullpen. Four earned runs allowed. 11 strikeouts to 6 walks, 10 hits allowed in those 15 innings pitched. He also had a save and a 1067 whip. For BC this past year, he had the team's best, second best ERA in conference play, was 1-0 in 5 appearances in the ACC with 2 starts, 1 earned run in 9 innings pitched, 4 hits allowed, 10 strikeouts to 11 walks, and a 133 opponent batting average. So Max Gee, Gavin Keelan, Sebastian Keen, Cam Smith, Malcolm Moore, Sam Horn, and Tristan Smith are my best players available heading into day 3. It'd be great to see a guy like Max Geeg and also Sebastian King get drafted today. When you think about it, Northeast and BC putting guys into the minor leagues, it only makes the program better and gives more life and more to the future of both programs, especially with recruiting. You can say, we had a guy get drafted to this team in this round. It's a great recruiting pitch. So hopefully both of those guys are drafted. I'd love to see it, especially after I saw both Max Geek and Sebastian Keen pitch a ton at Northeast and BC this past year. It'd be very exciting to see both of those guys move on to the minor league system and have a chance to make the majors one day.
So now I'm going to transition to the MLB All-Star Game, which is actually going to be tonight at 8 o'clock in Los Angeles. I'm going to talk about the lineups, talk about some history in the last few years of what happened in the All-Star Game, and then also talk about which teams have the most guys in the All-Star Game. So to start off, the New York Yankees, Toronto Blue Jays, and Atlanta Braves are six selections apiece. The St. Louis Cardinals have five. The New York Mets have four. The Red Sox have three. Xander Bogots, Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez. And then there's nine teams with one selection. Speaking of teams with one selection, the Kansas City Royals have only one selection, and that's Andrew Benatendi. First-time All-Star, 317 batting average on the season. Former Boston Red Sox great and fan favorite. He's the only selection of the Kansas City Royals. There's some other Red Sox players in the All-Star game, former Red Sox players, I should say. Martin Perez of the Texas Rangers. Former Red Sox pitcher who pitched for the Red Sox in 2020 and 2021. is a first-time All-Star this year with a 2.68 ERA. Kyle Schwarber now a two-time All-Star selection playing for the Philadelphia Phillies, so he'll be on the NL team. Mookie Betts is an All-Star selection too, playing for the NL as well for the LA Dodgers. Uh, so now to talk about the All-Star game and the lineups. Clayton Kershaw, ninth-time selection for an All-Star game. This will be his first time starting. There is some controversy, though, over whether or not he should be starting over a guy like Sandy Alcantara who is a two-time All-Star now, 9-4 record on the year with a 1.76 ERA, a .904 whip, 5.3 wins above replacement in 19 starts. He actually leads the MLB in innings pitched with 138 and a third innings pitched. Leads the MLB in games started with 19 and also has the best ERA in baseball among starters with a 176 ERA, 133 strikeouts to 23 walks, 3.73 strikeouts per walk and also eight strikeouts per nine innings pitched. He's one of five pitches ever with a sub 1.8 ERA and 130 plus innings pitched in his first 18 starts of the season. Saw that in a statistic from MLB Network. The last one to do that was Adam Wainwright in 2014 and then the previous one before that was Pedro Martinez in 2000. So as you see... So, as you can see, what Sandy Alcantara has been doing this year really is just historic. But at the end of the day, I think with, with it being held at Dodger Stadium, they know the fans. The MLB knows the fans will be more into it. There'll be a lot more attention on them if Clayton Kershaw's on the mound. The 34-year-old left-handed pitcher has only made 12 starts this year, 71 and two-thirds innings pitch, has a 7-2 record. With a 2.13 ERA, 75 strikeouts of 12 walks, 6.25 strikeouts per every walk, 9.4 strikeouts per nine innings, and a 204 opponent batting average. Kershaw now is a nine-time All-Star, first time as a starter, as I said. But some of his other accolades are great as well. Three times Cy Young, won the NL Triple Crown in 2011 with a 21-5 record, 2.28 ERA, 248 strikeouts. 2020 World Series winner with the Dodgers as well, and now adds an All-Star starter to his accolades, now a nine-time selection in the All-Star game, so very impressive for him. He actually holds the lowest career ERA, which is 2.48, since 1920 with a minimum of 1,500 innings pitched, and another thing is he actually has the lowest ERA, which is 2.48, for pitches with 200-plus starts in their career, which is absolutely nuts. So with it being in LA at Dodger Stadium, who knows how many years Kershaw has left as well. I respect him getting the nod. He's a Dodger legend, and the MLB knows the home crowd will be into it a lot more if Kershaw started. It gets things going, definitely gets more headlines if he were to be the starter. But Alcantara has been having a great year, so either way, I guess you really can't go wrong whether or not you pick the legend or the kid that's having the better season. But uh, Shohei Otani will not be pitching in the All-Star game tonight. The AL manager, Dusty Baker, said he asked the Angels and Shohei Otani's camp, and they said they did not want him pitching, so I completely get it. He started as a pitcher last year in the All-Star game while also hitting in the All-Star game 
and participated in the home run derby. So I think he deserves a little time to relax. He's been so hot this year, and there's no need to mess that up. Uh, he will be leading off for that AL team. He's 0-8 in his career versus Kershaw, so that would be a great at-bat to watch. Atlanta Braves manager Brian Snitker will be coaching the NL team, leading off the NL. So now I'm going to give you the lineups. Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Atlanta Braves will be playing right field. Three-time All-Star, eight home runs on the year, 265 batting average, a 776 OPS with 20 stone bases in 59 games after coming off a tough ACL injury last year. Mookie Betts of the hometown LA Dodgers will be batting second, playing center field. Two-time World Series winner, 2018 AL MVP, six-time All-Star selection now with 20 home runs, 265 batting average, and 864 OPS on the year with 47 RBIs. We'll be batting second, playing center. Manny Machado of the San Diego Padres, rivals of the LA Dodgers, will be batting third, playing third base for the NL. Six-time All-Star selection, two-time Gold Glove, 15 home runs with a 303 batting average and an 890 OPS on the year with seven stolen bases. Next is Paul Goldschmidt of the St. Louis Cardinals, playing first base, batting fourth. Currently NL favorite, two-win MVP, seven-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger, four-time Gold Glove winner. Has 20 home runs, a 330 batting average, 70 runs batted in, a 590 slugger percentage, and a 1004 OPS on the year. It's had a great season for that Cardinals team. Next up is Trey Turner, playing shortstop, batting fifth for the hometown LA Dodgers for the NL. The Dodgers actually traded for him last year with the trade with Washington that actually landed Max Scherzer and Trey Turner in L.A. at the trade deadline. Turner's now a two-time All-Star selection with 14 home runs, a 306 batting average on the year with an 847 OPS, 68 RBIs, and 17 stolen bases. Wilson Contreras will be batting six for the NL. He plays for the Chicago Cubs, playing catch-up for the NL tonight. 13 home runs with a 253 batting average and 821 OPS on the year and is now a three-time All-Star selection. William Contreras, his brother of the Atlanta Braves, will be batting seventh, playing DH. This will be the first time the brothers are in the same All-Star starting lineup since 1992. William, this will be his first All-Star selection. He's hitting 260 on the year with 11 home runs for the Atlanta Braves. Jock Peterson of the San Francisco Giants will be batting eighth and playing left field, making a return to LA. He has 17 home runs on the year with a 252 batting average and an 848 OPS. Two-time All-Star, first time since 2015. He's an All-Star. Was drafted in the 11th round of the 2010 MLB draft by the LA Dodgers. He actually played seven years with the Dodgers, hitting 230 with a 130 home run count. He won the World Series with the Dodgers in 2020 and actually won the World Series last year with the Braves as well. So two straight years, he's won the World Series. Then batting ninth, Jeff McNeil of the New York Mets will be playing second base. Now a two-time All-Star, hitting 300 on the year with four home runs for the New York Mets. Now for the American League, Astros manager Dusty Baker will be the manager for the AL. Shohei Otani of the Los Angeles Angels will be leading off, starting off as the DH. Two-time All-Star, reigning AL MVP and current favorite to repeat MVP again this year. He was actually the winning pitcher of the All-Star game last year. Coming into tonight, 19 home runs on the year with the 258 batting average with an 835 OPS for the Angels this year. 9-4 record on the mound of the 238 ERA. 12.7 strikeouts per nine innings pitch. 5.59 strikeouts per walk. 6-0 in his last six starts with a .5 ERA. Uh, .45 ERA, that is, a 146 opponent batting average and just two earned runs in 39 and two-thirds innings pitch in his last six games, 58 strikeouts to 11 walks. 
Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees will be batting second, playing right field. Four-time All-Star selection, currently with Shohei Otani as the favorite to win the AL MVP. 33 home runs, which is actually the most in Major League Baseball right now. Hitting 284 with 70 RBIs, 8 stolen bases, a 983 OPS, and 74 runs scored, which is the most in the MLB. And 209 total bases, which is also the most in the MLB. Rafael Devers of the Boston Red Sox will be batting third, playing third base. Two-time All-Star selection, having a great season for the Red Sox. 22 home runs, which is second in the AL. 324 batting average, which is also second in the AL. 55 RBI, 62 runs scored, which is second in the AL as well. A 601 slugging percentage, a 980 OPS, and 112 hits, which is actually the most in the major leagues this year. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. of the Toronto Blue Jays will be batting fourth, batting cleanup, playing first base. 20 home runs, batting 271 on the year. He had 271 this year. He's hit 311 last year, so his average is down this year. He has 57 RBIs and 830 OPS on the year. He actually had a 1002 OPS last year, so that's down as well. Two-time All-Star selection, was he was the All-Star Game MVP in 2021. Next up is Giancarlo Stanton of the New York Yankees, batting fifth, playing left field. 24 home runs on the year with a 237 batting average, 61 RBIs, 40 runs scored, an 835 OPS, and a 136 OPS+. plus. Five-time All-Star selection. This will actually be his first time in the All-Star game since 2017, his first time with the Yankees. Byron Buxton of the Minnesota Twins will be playing center field, batting sixth. His first time in the All-Star game, which is very surprising. In 73 games this year, he has 23 home runs, which is the most of any of his eight seasons in the MLB. 43 RBIs, 216 batting average, and 824 OPS. He's reached 73 games for the first time since 2019. In his eight-year career, he's only reached 73 games four times. So four of eight years, it shows his injuries have really plagued his career. But he's a great player. He had 306 in 61 games last year, so he's a great player, as you can see. Uh, so happy he's an all-star selection this year. Tim Anderson of the Chicago White Sox will be playing shortstop batting seventh. Two-time All-Star selection now, hitting 310 on the year with six home runs, a 767 OPS, 11 stolen bases, hitting 300-plus for the fourth straight season. Next up is Andres Jimenez, first-time All-Star selection of the Cleveland Guardians. We will be playing second base, batting eighth. In 79 games this year, he has 10 home runs, 296 batting average, seven stolen bases, and 835 OPS. In his first two years before this year... He played 117 games between the New York Mets and Cleveland Guardians and only hit eight home runs. So very impressive. He has 10 home runs in the year this year. Alejandro Kirk of the Toronto Blue Jays will be playing catch-up batting ninth. His first time as an all-star selection, 11 home runs in the year with a 315 batting average, 882 OPS, a 149 OPS plus, 37 RBIs, and 45 runs batted in. He hit only nine home runs in his first two years heading into this year and has 11 already this year. He's only five foot seven, but is such a great hitter. So... Uh, quite the year for him having 11 home runs. It's great to see him in the All-Star game. Ray Stud, Shane McClanahan will be getting the start on the mound for the AL. His first time as an All-Star. He's 10-3 on the year with a 171 ERA. Best in the MLB with a .75 whip. .795 whip, that is. Best in the major leagues as well. 147 strikeouts to 19 walks and 110 and two-thirds innings pitched. 5.69 hits per nine innings pitched, which is also the best in the major leagues. He's currently the favorite to win the Cy Young in the AL. 7.74 strikeouts per walk, which is the best in the major leagues, and 12 strikeouts per nine innings pitched. 
Now I'm going to transition to the history of the All-Star Game. The AL is currently leading. They have 46, 43, and 2 in the 91 All-Star Games. There was a tie in 2002, 7-7 in that game. The AL is 26, 6, and 1 since 1988. They've actually won 8 straight All-Star Games. Now if there were to be a tie to 9 innings tonight, there would no longer be extra innings. There would now be a home run derby to figure out the winner. That would be between the AL and the NL. Julio Rodriguez of the Seattle Mariners has 16 home runs of the year. He'll be on the AL side with Ty France of the Mariners, who has 11 home runs this year. He had 18 home runs in 2021, which was a career high for him, so he's not a great power hitter. And then Kyle Tucker of the Houston Astros has 18 home runs on the year. Hit 30 home runs last year. He would be representing the AL as well. On the NL side, it would be Pete Alonso of the New York Mets, who has 24 home runs on the year. Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Atlanta Braves who has eight home runs of the year, 41 home runs in 2019 he had. And then Kyle Schwarber of the Philadelphia Phillies, who has 29 home runs in the year, would be representing the NL. But the way I see it, the AL has to hope the game ends in nine innings and they win because the participants in the NL is so much better. They have so much more power. So the AL has got to hope the game ends in nine innings. But right now my prediction is I have the AL winning the All-Star game and my Favorite two-win MVP is Byron Buxton since it's his first career All-Star selection. I think he has a big game. Anyways, thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. I really appreciate it. Hope you guys have a great day and a great night. Thank you.